Thunder, 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 Thundercats! Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, Lion-O, command it. Hi, this is Larry Kenny, voice of Lion-O and Thundercats and the Bluegrass and Silverhawks and the voice of Sonny the Cocoa Puffs Bird and Count Chocula and so much more. Forget that, though. What I'm here to tell you is listen. Keep listening to the Canned Air Podcast. Do it! everyone and welcome to another episode of Canned Air, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Dorgan. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And we've got a good episode lined up for you today. First in our retro roundtable, we're going to be talking about some of our least favorite cartoons. I know that sounds a little odd, but you know how many times we've talked about our favorites? How many times can we say the same ones over again? Mm-hmm. Don't think we've ever delved in the least favorites, yeah, have we? Let's nope. shake shit up a little. Let's shake shit up a little. Let's try to go the positive way. Let's take the negative way. I like the way you're thinking, Jack. I like the way you're thinking. And then uh, after our retro roundtable, we're going to be welcoming uh, filmmaker Rob McCallum to the show to talk about uh, his new documentary on the evolution of cartoon culture and, boy, so much more. I'm not even going to try to get into it now. Uh, because I want him to tell you all about it. It's so freaking cool. Uh, in the documentary, is called Faking Filmation. It's on Kickstarter right now, running until May 6th. So uh, hopefully after you hear this, you're going to want to run over there. If you like cartoons in any capacity, especially in the 80s, yeah. you're going to want yeah. a part of this. You're going to want a piece of this. It's, it's speaking to us right here for sure. So... Uh, that'll be fun to do. But before we do all of that, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air and uh, over at Patreon.com forward slash CannedAirPod or on our website. Just hit that Patreon button for a few bucks a month. You can get access to the Canned Air Patreon pod. You can get access to shows that are just, um, what, like, uh, what, what's up there? I just put up the very first episode we ever recorded, Canned yeah. Classic Number 1. Ooh. We have both of our uh, radio theater projects, mm-hmm. The Human Fly and Star Wars are up there. Uh, what else is up there? What else? We have two episodes of The, the Vault. Comic Vault yep. up there for listening pleasure. And The Regular Pod. And The Regular Pod, which has uh, now, I believe, 40, if not over 40 episodes. The last one, boy, was just we just finished recording a little while ago. And we went around telling just some crazy, crazy stories, things that have happened to us in our lives. And uh, that was fun. So I think you guys would enjoy that, too. But again, lots of goodies over there for a little bit every month. $5 a month gets you access to the Candare Patreon pod. $10 a month gets you access to all the audio content we have. And I believe $10 is where merch comes in, too. Yeah. Stickers. Hang out for a little while. You get some swag. bags. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, uh, I think I need to touch it up a little bit now. But uh, still, it's it's come a long way, that Patreon page. Yeah. Plenty of content for your money. Absolutely. You're not getting just a few <laughs> shitty pods. It's a bunch of shitty pods. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. And a whole load of crap on there. <laughs> There's some good ones on there, some really good ones. And actually, I think when we hit our episodes uh, 400, some of the clips I pull are going to have to be from Patreon oh, because boy. some of them are just too fucking good to pass up on. But. All right. With that behind us, let's just kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. Oh, 
Barracuda. All right, least favorite cartoons. Jack, what do you got? So I always loved the Muppet Show. Matter of fact, watching Disney Plus, I was watching the old Muppet Show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Watch the Star Wars one with Mark Hamill and R2. And mm-hmm. sure. Man, that was episode. Are, was we, good. are we about to throw down here, Jackie? Continue. But the Muppet Babies? Oh, yeah. oh, I hated that cartoon when I was little. Go eat a bag of dicks. <laughs> well, you know, there's like a halfway middle ground with that. Because when I first started, I, when I remember the Muppet Babies coming around, I was irritated by them. Mm-hmm. For sure. But the show was infectious. It's one of those shows where if you gave it a chance, and I'm surprised you being a Muppet. The thing is, they were just so annoying. They're mm, oversized yeah. diapers. They're high, whiny voices. I think that was and... probably it. It was, and it wasn't. Kermit was. It had a Kermit esque sound to it, but it wasn't Kermit, I guess. And Skeeter, no, yeah, Skeeter. Who the hell was that? It wasn't even in the show originally. <laughs> that was the sister of Scooter. Yeah. 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 She disappeared so whatever happened when, they to went her? To the, when they went to the big show. I she think. was like the daughter, Judy, on Family Matters that walked upstairs and never came back. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't they do that shit on Happy Days too? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I guess my perspective on that's a little different because I was at the right age. Like, I grew up kind of with Muppet Babies. Like, that's one of the one I was exposed to a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the original Muppets kind of after. Nah. So I kind of have that emotional oh. attachment to Muppet Babies. It's, it was a good show. I enjoyed it. Um, I mean, it's not something I could revisit again, like the Ninja Turtles or yeah. Man or G.I. Joe or anything like that. But um, I just remember having fun. It was so cool just how that room they were in, that nursery room they were in, just turned into anything. Like there was a whole Star Wars episode uh, themed around that. There was a whole Wizard of Oz that, Like it was always themed around like popular movies and stories mm-hmm. and shit that you knew. Mm-hmm. So. That aspect, it was kind of like um, Rugrats before Rugrats, because they yeah, essentially did exactly, the same kind yeah. of thing, just not based around a, uh, a previous IP. You know I, mean? I didn't like Rugrats either. <laughs> I enjoyed Rugrats. It Rugrats was a funny was show. Fun. It was the draw, the art style. Was what I can understand that. It was like almost, it was almost uh, Squiggle Vision, but it wasn't really moving. Close, yeah. It was just very. <laughs> Yeah, a little Very erratic. Man, yeah, Grandpa Jack's taking a shit on my childhood right It now. was a polished rough, though. It's funny because it's, no matter how fucked up Tommy Pickle's head looked, like it always had the same dense and ripples yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah, so it's like it wasn't just a result of a shitty drawing. It was, you know, he was supposed to have that look. I don't know. Was, there was almost a graining uh, look in that universe because a lot of those characters all had great big overbites, like the Simpsons. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. I think but, Angelica um, was one of the worst parts of it, though. Oh, I yeah. Like, I hated that little girl. <laughs> yeah. So much anger. I know. <laughs> we all knew someone like her, though, and I think that's why we ended up <laughs> hating her. But, uh, all right. Um, you want to go next, Randy? Sure, why not? So, recently, I've been, like, getting complete uh, cartoon sets for my kids and I to watch and kind of share those memories, because a lot of them still aren't on streaming networks yet. And uh, I picked up uh, a show that I really liked when I was little and kind of had rose-tinted glasses with. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get Speed Racer and watch this with my kids. And I plugged that shit in, and I'm like, about five minutes, I'm like, you guys digging this? Oh, you are. Okay, well, I'm going to go do dishes now. Yep. But, um, (laughs) you know, you remember all the cool stuff. You remember the cool cars. You remember the action. You forget about the shitty voice acting and the shitty act, uh, voiceovers. What you remember more than anything is the feeling inside it gave you. And that's what you're trying to recapture. And yeah. you just realize it was a moment in time when yeah. you do get the Speed Racer home and turn it on. You're like, oh, 
when you do it was something better, about being a naive child yep. and, you <laughs> it's know like, there wasn't a million better things you know that come at the before them sure sure and or you're, after, right? you're like hey they just played that scene three seconds ago but yeah, now they're doing can, it in reverse you pick up all on the same uh, yeah cells like in stuff. the flintstones when they'd run the exact same house kept going yeah. in the background <laughs> well, it wasn't even that it's like the same scene like you see like speed getting ready to wreck out and it's like oh and then something else and he's like oh and I it's almost wrecked all <laughs> yeah, pretty much uh, so yeah i could never get into speed racer i never even tried it i couldn't even put it on the dislike because I, w- I don't know enough about it although i've got things on my list that probably qualify in that same category <laughs> but um my first pick is going to have to be and this is something this is a franchise that i dabble in i like the games but as far as Anything else goes horrible as Pokemon. That cartoon was mm. fucking trash. Both of you are shitting on my childhood. Trash. <laughs> Dude, I, I loved the game. The Game Boy games. Mm-hmm. The, like the yellow and whatever. I think I played yellow. And then I played, uh, what, like gold and then ruby. I played the first like three gens, I think. Okay, okay. It was kind of into it. it, but then when I saw there was a cartoon coming out, which I think is like kind of like a Power Rangers thing where it had already been mm-hmm. uh, a thing in Japan yep. and was redubbed for the States. But um, every episode is the exact same thing. Like you can always tell when Team Rocket's going to show up. They <laughs> yeah. always take off the same way, blasting off again. And it's just, um, it's just very formulaic it's just it's taking i mean i I think it um doesn't think much of its viewer honestly i mean it's just recycling the exact same formula over and over that i don't see any depth there now there were later series like there's some youtube series i saw that was like a bunch of shorts that looked like it was pretty cool because it was actually showing the battles like Mm. that was the problem with that fucking show was like anytime it was like all right there's about to be this big epic battle see who's the who's the winner here Right when shit gets in the heat, here comes Team Rocket with their fucking back and forth poem. I'm like, nope, <laughs> changing the channel. Like, I'm not even humoring this shit. Like, you just can't watch a fucking fight. Like, what you want to see, like, being into those games and stuff. Mm. No. Speaking of are the fights, are they anything like Dragon Ball? Because I've never really sat and watched Pokemon, the series. It's a lot more slapsticky. Um, it's, you know, Dragon Ball has some very serious, intense moments. and well, That's for sure. I mean, the movie aside, um, the first movie anyway, the but show Pokemon was... Pokemon movie? Yeah, the show that was... was good. I liked it. Yeah, I mean, it was very it was very much intense, kind of that um, epic... Was that the Mewtwo climax. one? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think I saw that, and I don't think I minded that. Is that where the unknown ones come from, too? Like, the like there was a whole bunch of like Pokemon in the shape of like letters or some so shit? So that or? was from Gold and Silver, so that was like oh, the next okay. gen, um, which I don't think was in the first movie, but in the second... But yeah, to answer your question, like it was very much lighthearted and very, it was geared towards a very young uh, audience. So it was really um, just throw a ball, maybe two moves, and then it was over. Pretty much. It was all all about like the relationship with Ash and his Pokemon, not so much the battling. It was like, Uh, oh, Pikachu, you're so cute. Or, oh, Caterpie, mm. you can do this today. You know, just stuff like like that. You got this, Caterpie, go get him. So, Jeremy, who's, (laughs) Jeremy's, what, three, four years older than me? How old are you again? Um, 32. I will be 40 this year. Okay, so you're eight years older than me. <laughs> so when that, in, in the, the height of the moment, when I was sitting there with my cards and my, you know, stuffed plushies and I was like fucking eight, mm-hmm. where you as a 
teenager, like, yeah, it would have been a completely different experience. See, I didn't even get into them when they came out. Like, it was after I was out of high school. Like, my sister's boyfriend had left the yellow cartridge over. That was the only way that ever happened. Because I would have never bought that, you know. But I was working retail at the time at Sam Goody. And I one thing I could remember is those fucking cards, man. You couldn't keep them on the shelf. (laughs) The second a box hit, it was gone. And, like, it even got to a point where you had to, like, only so many packs per customer, but I get the card game. But I don't know, like, again, it's just that thrill of the battle. Like, I don't know, it's very much like a Final Fantasy RPG battle yeah. when you're doing this. Like, yeah, it's yeah. exactly what it's like. Fight, retreat, you have moves to choose from and stuff, you know? You just have to choose carefully, choose who you're going to use, and I don't know. Like, Pokemon Go has come a long way, because now you can just, at any time you want, get on a server and battle anyone in the mm-hmm. world, you know? And um, it really makes you fucking think. Like, you think, oh, I've got a strong group here, but you get in there and someone fucks you right up. <laughs> right. Okay, I need to rethink think my strategy, you know? Like, okay, I don't know. I'm not going to get into the details. But there's there's a lot of uh, In-game awesome mechanics. potential there, yeah. I guess, for an entertaining show. And boy, did they just... It's just like pig intestines. It's like not, <laughs> not even worth like having. It's like, why? Like, just drivel just try they did do some grittier stuff later on but yeah the original the original like cartoon that came out like i could see that i could mm-hmm. see you not wanting to be anywhere yeah. near that at all we had also i don't know if you remember years back we had uh ash ketchum voice of ash ketchum signed up to be on the show oh that's right yeah and then like the last minute she dipped for no fucking yeah. reason like didn't give us a anything i can't remember why but i was kind of rubbed wrong by that mm. too um, but I disliked the show before then I just was, <laughs> why have her on then um, <laughs> because other people like yeah. the show you know but anyway that's that's my pick so uh, going back to Jack here the main show I always hated it but the two characters I loved it which was Scooby-Doo never liked Scooby-Doo when I was a kid growing up Okay. I don't know if it was just because the content was kind of boring and I'm not really a, one to solve mysteries <laughs> I like to watch him pan out, I guess, but I'm not one to sit there and think, oh, he did. Oh, see, I am. I uh, Yeah, and I, I dug Scooby-Doo for that reason, trying to figure out who it was before the end. And, you know, sometimes you could, sometimes you couldn't. That's right, let Jack shit on your childhood for a chance. <laughs> <laughs> but Scoob and Chag always liked. Fred was just a dumbass, and then the two ladies, yeah, it didn't really matter. Hey, Velma was hot. I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. I don't know. When she turned her head one way, she always went cross-eyed because of the way her <laughs> eyes were drawn, which always Jinkies. threw me off. Yeah. But uh, the the episodes I always did like was the one when the uh, celebrities would show up, like Batman and the Robin, Three Stooges, and, yeah. yes. Harlem Globetrotters, Sandy Trotters. Duncan. <laughs> Not really that one. But. Uh, WWE. WWE. No. Those, yeah, those were series, later. Yeah. Those came later. But yeah, they they still to this day put out straight to DVD like celebrity yeah. Scooby Doo yeah. mashup stuff. The, the, the Supernatural one was actually pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty oh, good. God, Dean eating that huge sandwich. <laughs> yeah. She's like, "Look, Sam, I can put this whole thing in my mouth." That was <laughs> I had a good time watching that one. But yeah, Scooby Doo, Scrappy Doo. Everyone hates. Scooby-Doo, I hate Scrappy. So He's like the fucking cousin Oliver of uh, Scooby Doo. Yep. Cousin Oliver being the annoying little bastard on Brady Bunch, for those of you who mm-hmm. don't know. And he also grew up to be the voice of Michelangelo in the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle film. The more you know. Was that him? Yeah. Shoot, I didn't know that. Yep. You know who they Robbie never, Reyes. They never had or, enough on Scooby-Doo? Yeah. His cousin, Scooby-Dumb. <laughs> Are you serious? Mm-hmm. There was actually a Scooby Doo. Oh yeah, Scooby-Dumb? he was white yeah, he was, with a hat. Was he white or light gray or something like that? But he had Man, maybe like an gray. old no, old I know hat no on shit about that. Tooth. But yeah, oh, yeah. Buck teeth. Yeah, hell yeah. Now that sounds funny. familiar. 
I think they showed, like, in the beginning credits, him and Scoob, like, slapping paws back and forth. Was it, like, them. Fred Welker voicing him, too? Like, the same kind of voice? Just... Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if he was in that more, I might have enjoyed it more, but, yeah. Yeah. Yep, Scooby-Doo. Was I was it. always a 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo fan. Like, gotta get, uh, get the creep factor in there with, um... <laughs> Total brain fart. Never mind. Got that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Randy, what you got? So I never experienced any of these, but I know enough about them from the reputation that I would have hated it if I did growing up. Uh, all the cartoons that were just freaking gory, but they were like marketed as ki- for kids. So like Watership Down with the rabbits or oh. uh, Reservoir Dogs, which was like two dogs that were getting um, like worked on or something. Uh, like, I've never heard of that one. Yeah, I've It's freaking brutal. Like, there's one scene where a dog, like, hops up trying to get to its master, and it, like, he's hunting, and he hits the trigger on the gun and blows the guy's head off. And, I mean, these are marketed what? as... It's crazy <laughs> as kids' movies. Watership Down, I, that's a scarred one, definitely. But and, yeah. and we never got it here in the States, but in um, over in the UK, they, they got uh, The Animals of Tarting Woods, which is basically like a whole series, but it was literally just about the the city growing up and just destroying this little like grove, right? And there's was one scene I watched on YouTube where these two hedgehogs are trying to run across the street. I think they were hedgehogs, but anyway, like the wife hedgehog is like, "Come on, we gotta get across. We gotta get across." And the the husband hedgehog's like, "Oh, I'm I'm too scared," and he freezes and then gets fucking run over by a truck. <laughs> And I'm like, <laughs> I would have been freaking traumatized as hell. But th- these were like freaking rated G or Y7 or whatever. So like, that's what's wrong with kids today. They're not watching violent cartoons. <laughs> They're not scarred for life you at a young age. Remember uh, Happy Tree Friends? It came yes, out in like yes. the early 2000s. <laughs> I couldn't stand it. It was too much. It was yeah. funny, but it it was a little bit too much sometimes. I, I enjoyed them. They yeah. were funny. Just the way they would scream, the over exaggerated <laughs> face. Like it was fun. It was fun, but. Um, alright, uh, this cartoon I can't say I ever watched. I'd say I'd probably be more apt nowadays to give it a chance than then, but, um, for some reason, just the sight of him, the idea of him, and his theme song when they would come on drove me nuts was fucking Bucky O'Hare. <laughs> Captain <laughs> oh, Bucky! Yes. Captain never, Bucky O'Hare! Never, I don't think it was, I think this show was when the first time I ever heard you talk about that. I don't think I've ever... I, I Heard watched quite a few episodes that I had all the toys. I had the yeah. forearm Daffy and they Duck. Were cool to- they were cool toys. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, looking back, looked like a pretty cool property. Didn't it come from a comic? I believe so. Actually, uh, Larry Hama, I believe, wrote either the comic or the cartoon. Huh. But um, I just wish, I guess, at that time I would have given it better... I don't know. You have to understand one being a huge Ninja Turtle fan in the 90s and watching every other cartoon come out have some fucking mutant humanoid animal of some kind. And here came this green rabbit from outer space that I just was like, fuck you. I've got my turtles, you know, right. Don't need it. But um, I guess that would have to be one of my big ones. Speaking of turtles, I'll squeeze another one in really quick right here Um, was after Nickelodeon got the turtle property. They put out that amazing CG cartoon mm-hmm. that was such a great tribute to the franchise and the fans. Um, and then they followed it with the rise of the TMNT. That new one, yeah. And it was horrible. Horrible. And I see what they were trying to do. They were trying to do 
Teen Titans with the Ninja Turtles is what they were trying to do. But it just wasn't... uh, Teen Titans is fucking clever. I haven't seen it much, but every time I have seen it, it, like, catches my attention. Like, There's always something That's fucking witty. You know, kids... Not all kids are going to get that. You know, there was, like... It was multi-layered, and this just didn't seem to be the case. Was that the one where the the turtles were more, like... I don't know, for lack of a better term, like, action figure-esque? Like, they were a little grittier, a little more... Raph was huge. It was just two dimensional, like square head. Okay, because I have a gripe with that too. That's the yeah. one where April's African American. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. That, and that's not my gripe. Sorry, but <laughs> <laughs> racist bastard. But um, I saw a clip of that where they're fighting Shredder, and I don't know where it was, but they get like freaking anime powered up and are going at like supersonic speeds. Trying are you to take- sure it was Shredder? Because that was another one of my gripes is like all the the main bad guys seem to be like that Drax character, like that insect like lord or whatever. It could have been. I, it looked Shredder-esque to me, so I just assumed because they had taken so many liberties with the main characters. But I saw that and I'm like, they're ripping off freaking Dragon Ball Z. Like it just it rubbed me the wrong way. Like, oh yeah, these are the turtles. Don't do well, that. Well, I mean, in that show, I get it because again, like Teen Titans, there's a lot of mocking other yeah. properties and stuff like that. But again, it just wasn't clever. You know, yeah. it wasn't well written, at least in my opinion. And to have it coming off the heels of like the definitive new turtle cartoon yeah something so good and well done you would expect them to keep pumping out yeah same kind of mm-hmm. thing so who knows you know they're probably going to let the property lay dormant now for a little while before they bring it up and try something again but um i hope it's good whatever they try you know it's probably like with the thundercats thundercats ho or whatever that Go, cartoon was. or yeah yeah, yeah it was something like that but it was the same aspect yeah that lasted one yeah. season and yeah <laughs> well I don't know. It's a different world out there, you know, with with shows premiering on streaming service. You know, back when we were kids, you had three or four channels. So you had to watch something and whether or not you wanted to watch it, like a lot of these cartoons we're talking about here, you watched it because it was all that was on. The only cartoon you could find on. And now when it's on a streaming service, it's not forced in front of you. Mm -hmm. You have to make that leap. And I think what a lot of people are finding is a lot of people aren't willing to make that initial, <laughs> yeah. nipple, uh, initial leap. I think they, um, I think their marketing, you know, in the entertainment world has to change drastically. Not only marketing, but as far as uh, what they deem is going to be successful for uh, stream platforms. But you know, it's just touch and go. They're going to have to just do touch and go. And you also is- get the social media bashers too that. And you read anything about anything, and it's going to be all mm-hmm. kind of negativity, negativity there, which is going to put you away. Well, it's a fine line too, because you get like the people like us that grew up with a property, and they don't want to see a lot of liberties taken with the the renewal, right? But they mm-hmm. have to make it like somewhat hip, which is a gripe I have with something. Which, if we got a few minutes, I'd like to bring up to you guys. I saw the trailer for the new Space Jam movie. Oh god, and it <laughs> rubbed me the freaking wrong way. Yeah, it looked pretty dumb. Be, it it. To me, it's like, it's so far removed from the original that we all grew up on. And then they're ripping off Ready Player One. And I'm just like, eh, I I can't get behind it. I want to, but I can't. I I mean, I wasn't even the biggest fan of Ready Player One, but I know what you mean. Um, I will say when I saw the trailer and I saw him falling through the Warner Brothers, like, drum, and you hear that, like, that kind of, like, got me excited for a hot second. Some of it did for me, too, yeah. But um, and to see that it was a lot more animated versus them live action yeah, with animation, right. running around in Roger Rabbit I, style. See, I don't know. I I kind of like the old style, like the fact that they're all three D animated now. I don't know. 
some of the jokes that were coming through looked pretty fucking stupid. Like yeah. there was a whole thing at the very end where like Granny, like tweeting Granny, you know, Granny. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 and she starts break dancing or whatever the locker. Like, yeah. How many times can that joke be done? <laughs> but uh, you know, again, I know I'm not the main demographic. This is. <laughs> I mean, it's literally. But at the same time, kids these days aren't going to know all these Looney fucking tune characters, are mm-hmm. they? Nope. I mean, that scene you're talking about to me is literally like the new kids version of airplane oh stewardess i speak jive yeah <laughs> i don't know i just am not excited at all about it but see i'm a huge tom and jerry fan too and that movie looked like it was going to be dog shit too mm-hmm. yeah i, I can't if imagine I hurt myself to watch it no i'm those old cartoons are perfect yeah. the 60s and 70s i think are the best era for me uh, tom and jerry for me i love them more than likely the movie is just rehashing everything that i've seen right. when i was a kid anyway so it's just very disappointing when you know you don't have people that take time and really do like the right thing with the property but on that note we've got rob coming up yeah after this break that yeah he cares for everything he does so yeah and uh, has a great appreciation for the cartoon culture and then uh which i'm excited about which we've just been talking about here unintentionally i guess (laughs) talking our least favorite shows kind of brought it out in us so kind of came full circle didn't it? (laughs) it did i like it all right let's jump to a quick break and we'll be right back with rob mccallum my name is cindy burnett and each week i interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast thoughts from a page We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out. And now joining us uh, to talk about Faking Filmation, which is a this new documentary on the evolution of cartoon culture, which is running on Kickstarter until May 6th, which this thing looks freaking cool. Because not only are you covering uh, the, you know, the evolution of cartoons, but there's it's intertwined with the story uh, of James Edick and his kind of unofficial... A He-Man uh, episode called The Return of Faker. So I'm not going to uh, tell everything here. I'm going to let our guest Rob McCallum do that. Rob, thank you so much for being here. Well, thanks for welcoming me back. I tried to make a worse impression last time so you guys didn't have to uh, be humble and bring me back, but you have. Thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate it. a lot more, I think. it's awesome to have you back man and uh it's even more awesome uh to learn about this project you're doing uh there's so many layers to it so uh can you just uh, describe to the listeners exactly what uh faking filmation is yeah absolutely uh it's been a project that's been in the works for two years it probably would have been further down the road if it wasn't for covid but you know silver linings and all that because it gave us more time to plan Uh, Long story short, I've made a career out of pop culture documentaries. I've looked at the world of action figures, video games, heavy metal, and one of the big, you know, missing components or quadrants of pop culture is, of course, cartoons and animation. So I've been kind of on the hunt for the perfect story to give me the excuse to look at cartoons. And when I say on the hunt for the perfect story, I don't like to do just historical retrospective documentaries. I kind of feel that, you know, if you want to learn about something, you could probably just pick up a book and read it or, you know, maybe just go on Wikipedia and get the Coles Notes version uh, of, you know, the history of anything that you might like. I like to look at contemporary stories that are happening that give us a reason to look back at the thing. So 
in the case of Faking Filmation, it's a 90-minute uh, documentary about James Etock and his quest to create and release an unofficial He-Man and the Masters of the Universe cartoon. So it's the perfect chance for me to go back and look at He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, the cartoon show, the studio that created it, Filmation, and then Filmation's role in, in cartoon history. And they were one of the pioneering studios for Saturday morning cartoons. And thanks to He-Man and She-Ra, they also dominated uh, you know, weekday afternoon slots as well. So uh, a pretty you know, big stroke of luck that James had a story that was happening right now that tied back into cartoons of the era that I grew up in. And that also resonated to the beginning of cartoon culture in the first place. So like you said, lots of layers uh, and throw in their fan films in the dangerous intersection between people and their passion and what they're willing to do with IP that they don't own. A little bit of everything for everyone in this one. Right. It sounds amazing. And I, I man, I can't imagine uh, pouring so much work. I mean, just I saw some of the clips I guess on the Kickstarter video uh, and just describing and showing like quick glimpses of the process of uh, what James went through to piece together such an episode sounds amazing. I would I would presume and maybe this would be spoilers, but I presume you've seen this uh, episode, Rob. I watch it every night just to tease everybody that's listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> Based on what I saw, it's, it a, it, freaking it's cool. incredible. I'll just say it's incredible and it's worth the price of admission alone. It is in look, sound, tone, and feel everything you expect from a He-Man and the Masters of the Universe cartoon. There is certainly some fan service that you would get that you get in it, much like you would get, you know, with any kind of reboot film that we get nowadays, there's always a tip of the hat towards fans that maybe know the first incarnation of the property or those cameo people that, you know, were comic book writers. The stuff that true diehards get, there's certainly stuff in this. And the fact that it's a 31-minute runtime is longer than the 22-minute uh, standard show. But this is like, you know, polished, clean, HD. You've never seen a He-Man cartoon look as pretty as this. And like you said, the process that James had to create this, and we'll go in depth, of, of course, in the documentary, but he basically had access to the music and effects tracks and the dialogue tracks. And those are usually things that are combined uh, for every episode, but because he had them separate and because he has an encyclopedic knowledge of the cartoon, he has like all 130 episodes memorized. So when he's writing a script, he's like, I need a line like this. He can go boom. Okay, it's in this episode at this point, and he can pull that just the dialogue from the character and basically piece together an audio play of it. And then they can go in and storyboard it and find the poses that they need and trace over them. And sometimes that means they got to get eyes that look differently from one episode, but the head position is from a different episode. And the way the character turns off screen is from another and the backgrounds are from even a fourth or a fifth one. And that's just for one character, let alone if there's two people in the same shot. Insane. Yeah, that's dedication. It's sort of be able to kind of lay all this out. I'm not really doing it service, but already it's really interesting to hear. Imagine when we can actually showcase what this is like. And so when I started talking to James about this, I'm like, man, I know you're dealing with some legal issues and you can't just kind of put it out online. I know you don't want to make money of it. You just want to share your passion, your love letter to, you know, the people that really inspired you to get your career going. Because, of course, he wrote the official Dark Horse Guide to the episodes for He-Man and She-Ra that was put out. He's a published author. This isn't just some random fan who sunk three and a half years with a few of his buddies into it. This is a prominent guy in the industry who's already crossed the threshold from fan to industry insider. 
uh, I said, look, there's, there's a story to tell here. Even if it's just on the process alone of what you've done for three and a half years, there's something there. But then when I started thinking about it, it's like, you know, why would why would a man do all this work to emulate the style of, of an animation studio? What is it about that animation studio? Well, Filmation's really special for a bunch of reasons. And then what is Filmation's legacy within all of cartoons? Well, they're a pioneer. They had shows on every major network at the same time on Saturday morning, ABC, NBC, CBS. It just, it's just, it's a fantastic history to look at. Even if it was just Filmation, we're gonna go a little bit beyond, of course, for context, but ah, I can't wait to dive in. And our Kickstarter is doing really well for, for day one, that's, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so congratulations. Doing very well. And again, uh, listeners have until May 6th uh, to donate and uh, get some of those rewards. What kind of rewards uh, can backers expect, Rob? Well, there's the usual typical fare. With with movies and indie documentaries, it's not as wacky and wild as, as some other projects, but there's the digital bundle offering. So if you just don't want to have any physical media around or you're worried about something taking up space, we got a digital option you'll get the documentary and our bonus features, super easy. And that of course also gets partnered with any of the physical media that you get to. So if you back at the DVD level, then you get the digital stuff as well, uh, or the Blu-ray for instance. So one of the fun rewards we have is a VHS copy of our documentary. Hey. So you can enjoy it on VHS. If you do want the relic or the touchstone to put on the shelf, you can have that there and we'll jam some bonus features on at the end, I'm sure. For that, but again, if you don't want to open it, you have the digital stuff to access as well. And we've got add-ons too. So if you want to get the VHS, but you also want a DVD, you can throw that in there. We got posters. James is going to do sketches as well for people if they want a favorite character from any cartoon that's ever existed. He's throwing down the gauntlet, saying he'll draw anybody as a, as wow. a quick kind of sketch for you, eight by six, I think, and mail it from from England where he resides. Uh, we also have you know associate producer credits. There's chance to be in the film. Since we're talking cartoons, chances are you've seen some cartoons growing up. So we'll talk cartoon memories while I'll kind of throw 10 or 15 questions at you. Do a Skype interview if you can't kind of meet up with us. Or if you can meet up with us, then great. We'll see you at a con once it's safe to kind of travel abroad again and, sure. and make that happen. But lots of fun stuff and lots of ways to be involved and, and to see this film, which has now been shelved for over two years after three and a half years of work. There's a chance to get this out there. Now, James's path to get this released is, I don't know what he's going to plan on doing. It's his goal to get it, you know, endorsed by the rights holder so that it can be officially released without any legal threats or getting <laughs> skewered. Right. Uh, and that's up for him. I'm a firm believer, especially given the other films I've done where the path to success isn't always clear. It's always kind of hidden that there is a way through. And it always comes down to determination and how far you're willing to go and what do you want to do to believe in that dream? And, sure. uh, you know, James has overcome a lot of adversity in his life and he keeps pushing and pushing. So this is a great chance to see how far he's willing to push to get that one thing that seems to be eluding him. Jack, have you seen uh, the uh, the Return of the Faker? Did you see the Kickstarter video at all? Uh, just a little. I saw the pictures of it. I didn't get that so, chance to look at the, the video itself. The context of the Return of Faker, this initial, you know, uh, unofficial, rather, uh, He-Man cartoon that uh, James made, 
Faker being, oh, I'm not a He-Man aficionado, so please bear with me. But from what I took from the video was that... I'll correct you, don't worry. <laughs> but from what I took from the video was that um, in the cartoon, Faker was always just looked just exactly like He-Man, just with glowing eyes, where in the, the action figure had like blue skin and shit. Yeah. So this is the blue skin He-Man yeah. being brought into the universe. It looks so cool. I have to say, just from the doing those... G.I. Joe PSAs, there's the, those are 30 seconds that we do. Yeah, we yeah. do voiceover for. And there's times where I've had to, I wanted to put something else into them that I've had to go into other G.I. Joe clips, try to find to something. Pull from? That is a pain in the ass. I cannot <laughs> imagine doing that for 30 minutes. I mean, I. Not only sound, but every cell. Everything. And yeah. But yeah. I, don't, I mean, I, at the same time, I don't know the cartoons. I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of it, so I'm sure right. you would just have to like, easier, still, <laughs> like still. Netflix and chill for a long time yeah. to like get all oh, that I can knowledge. Use that one. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and it's and guys, it's not just like the the 31 minutes of story. He has bumpers in there too. Like we'll be right back after these messages, and he's got the moral at the end. That's awesome. Oh, for real. <laughs> that one of the be... bumper and one of the bumpers he has in there was a bumper that was never used in broadcast, but because he has line art and so many animation cells. They were actually able to do the entire sequence and digitize it so it could be shown for the first time. Holy wow. shit, that's awesome. That would be cool. It's hardcore. I mean, anybody that knows the show casually would understand here's a bumper with Orko saying, we'll be right back after these messages. Right. And then I hear, so I told you to be back. It, it, it just feels familiar. It has that cartoon see you soon vibe. But this is like a, a kind of cool piece of history that's never been shared before. It's not, It was never done past line art, so it had never been colored. It was emulated, the colors were emulated based on other similar, you know, uh, images and creatures and whatnot in the case of the bumper. So mm. it's, it's not just parody. It's not just fan desire. This is actually showcasing history as well. Hopefully, if you can get it greenlit by the powers that be. I sure so, hope so, because yeah. I would love to see not only something like this, you know, get through. It's it's amazing to me that there's so much rebuttal against it, you know, because, um, I mean, Filmation isn't around really anymore, are they? No, but you know, NBC Universal owns the rights to it, okay? Mm, and ultimately, if you don't own the rights, you can't mess with somebody else's IP. It doesn't matter who you are. If you put something out there saying it's Star Wars and it's not, and people think it is Star Wars and it doesn't represent the values of the company, well, Disney might get a little upset. Yeah. Some yeah. companies are a little bit cool. I mean, you guys remember what happened with probably Star Trek Axanar a few years back. Which is the fan film that raised millions of dollars, and it had, uh, you know, people that actually worked on the show and had Hollywood oh, production yes. values. And Paramount said, "No way! This is not a fan film. This is like a professional production. It's just not been endorsed by us. And this is going to essentially confuse people, thinking it is our thing. And we can't have brand confusion because then it dilutes the stuff that we are doing. Mm -hmm. And you know, right now there's two new He-Man shows coming out. There's one by Kevin oh, Smith that's yeah, supposed right. to be like." Uh, a yeah. reboot attempt, or well, not really a reboot, but kind of a continuation of the Filmation series, although it's done in anime by Powerhouse, who is the company that did Castlevania, amongst other shows. And then there's a new CG show that's aimed like squarely at kids, which will be completely different. But, you know, does NBC Universal want this other thing that's coming out there? I don't know. Is this just an issue of timing? You know, for the last 20 years, things have been dormant except for the last year or so. Right. So if this was done a year, you know, 10 years ago, would it matter? Will it matter in two or three years? It's so tricky. It's very tricky. 
Uh, on one hand, this could be an amazing opportunity for the IP holders because it will galvanize the fans and show them that they're fan friendly and they can still say it's unofficial and they want to support it. Maybe there's other He-Man fan films. In fact, I know there are. And they could have a cool contest to help, you know, leading up to the launch of one of these other series. You know, submit your fan films and we'll show them all at Comic-Con on a big screen like Super 7 did five years ago when they did the uh, Curse of the Three Terrors using some of the original voice actors. Uh, and then sold those on VHS tapes. There's no problem then, but now it's different. So yeah. we'll see what happens and what James is able to do and who he has to talk to and what obstacles he's willing to uh, try to break down. Regardless of where that goes, we will be including the cartoon with fun factoid pop-up video stuff uh, surrounding it. So if you guys remember pop-up video oh, yeah. uh, or... Or, or even Blind Date, if you guys are of oh, that yeah. <laughs> commentary and stuff would pop up. So if you can, visualize the cartoon sitting kind of center, but all around it, different quadrants. And as things uh, happen in the cartoon, you'd get different trivia facts that kind of say, you know, this stuff is from th th these episodes, or in order to achieve this, we had to do this. Or this is the only time that all these characters ever appeared in a single shot and never happened before, so this is why James did it. So it's kind of like... A repeat viewing thing because you'll never be able to read it all at once but you would it would give more uh, credence to the process on how to create it so um, we can't just gratuitously put it up there because there is a cease and desist but as a documentary filmmaker uh, and given that we're talking about the story of how this short film in my opinion this unofficial cartoon came to be there's there's legal ground for us to kind of explain it that way gotcha. sure makes sense and the four non-blondes meme is still around and being as beloved as it is. Hopefully this has the same effect. Huh? Yeah, and you know, NBC Universal hits everything with a cease and desist that has that iconic imagery out there. And they make money off that non-blondes, you know, mm -hmm. uh, video that's out there on YouTube. So they're aware of stuff like that. And some stuff they let go and some stuff they don't. The worst part is... In, in my opinion, they were well aware James was doing this for years because James would show little clips at different live shows. And when James was working on the official He-Man YouTube channel for them, they had different clips that were up. Mm -hmm. So where's the change of heart? And did they set a precedent that's too dangerous and they're just trying to you know turn their back on it? Again, back to Kickstarter. You'll find out when you watch the film. Awesome. There you go. Man, you've got me baited. I'm, I'm, that sounds awesome. Yeah. And really quick, Rob, uh, you know, we kind of briefly touched on your other projects. I do want to encourage the listener, listeners to go back to episode 304 when we talked to Jay about Nintendo Quest. Mm. And then episode 332 where we talked to you uh, about Action Figure Adventure and some of your other uh, IPs. But uh, I do want to congratulate you because Action Figure Adventure, since we talked to you last, did get picked up for uh, syndication, correct? Uh, well, it's, it's broadcast in Canada. Uh, up there at Jinx Esports TV, which is part of Super Channel. And domestically, the rights have been picked up as well. Now, I've been asked not to say which company is representing us internationally, but they know what they're doing when it comes to toy series. So it's really cool to have them as partners. Uh, Action Figure Adventure Season 1 is available right now. Uh, it's in stock at Big Bad Toy Store, which is one of the premier destinations for online collectibles. There's only like 20 copies left from everything that got sent. So if you want a copy... Go there now. Please get it. It's $4 free shipping anywhere in the U.S. It's a great deal. 
uh, and you'll get all 10 episodes of that. Yeah, and thanks for plugging Nintendo Quest. And of course, Video Game Box Art was another series that came out, and that was picked up uh, by Nacelle, which you guys know very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, very much so. But uh, again, man, it's it's always great fun seeing what you come out with because I know the passion and the just the time and the, the quality you put into all your stuff. So super excited to see any project you have coming down the pike. Oh, thanks, man. That's that's awesome. I really appreciate that. It's it's unfortunate that it takes, you know, two to three years to get these projects done because that's as often as we usually loop back on this stuff. But uh, it's it's always a pleasure sharing what we try to do on this side with folks like yourself. Well, man, this has been amazing. I cannot wait to see this film. It's going to be so <laughs> freaking cool. And again, based on uh, the success of your first day on Kickstarter, it looks like uh, we're all going to get to see it. So yeah. very excited about that. And Rob, are you on uh, Twitter or Instagram? Yeah, I'm on both. You can find me at Rob McZob on Twitter and the same thing on Instagram. Um, if this gets funded, we'll start a faking filmation profile on Instagram as well. You can find Rob McCallum Films on Instagram as well, or you can check out Action Figure Adventure or the two other series that I just sold on toys as well. We recently just turned our podcast into a TV show because Super Channel picked that up as well. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show. Very good. Look at that. Jeez. How about it? <laughs> Lots of irons yeah. on the fire. Well, Rob, thank you so much, man. Thank you guys so much. This is awesome. Again, I'll try to find more excuses to come back sooner and we can we can just keep talking. Like there isn't a time limit or any real agenda. <laughs> Sounds good, man. <laughs> we'll make it happen. <laughs> All right. Once again, that was Rob McCallum. Uh, head over to Kickstarter and type in Faking Filmation. We'll have links on our social media posts, so uh, you can just click that also. And go over there and back that project because man, doesn't that just fucking sound cool? Does I man. thought so? so. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> I thought so. So um, again, we'll have those uh, links in our social media and check Rob out at Rob McZob on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to CandarePodcast.com and you can get show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media. Become a patron, get some merch, see some of our YouTube videos, and if you'd like to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. I like your enthusiasm. <laughs> I was I couldn't, I couldn't get the rhythm. I couldn't, but I appreciate well, the effort. What what with rhythm was that exactly? <laughs> Randy knows no rhythm. Uh, Randy does know no rhythm. You're gonna have to learn some if you want to fucking dance, buddy, in this video. Well, <laughs> you don't have to learn rhythm. You just have to keep time. If you can keep time, we'll be fine. Yeah, and if you want to know what the hell we're talking about, get on Patreon because it's gonna be big. Oh, I don't know if that's going to be on Patreon. That's going to be out to the masses. Disregard everything fucking Just Randy disregard every. We're talking inside information. This is a project we're discussing that's so fucking far out, it's not even <laughs> worth mentioning right now. Because we don't even know if it's going to happen. It's so out there. But um, if it does, just know that two, three years later, when you when it comes out, you'll be like, oh, I think I remember we're talking this. about. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> don't forget to find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And uh, once again, on our website, hit that Patreon button or go, just find us at Pod on Patreon. $5 a month gets you access to all that shit we were talking about at the top of the episode. Hours and hours of entertainment for a few bucks a month. Come on, people. Come on. Come on. All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and be excellent to each other.
dog. Hi, puppy. Nice puppy. Oh, no. Don't run. It'll only make things worse. Mutt. Remember, you never want to approach a stray dog, especially one that's foaming at the mouth. Get away from the animal as quickly as you can and tell a grown-up. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. This has been a Canned Air production. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.